0: Don't play with things that go boom. Lessons from my days in Olive Drab by Clint Morey, Specialist, 4th Class, Retired. Well, not actually retired. It's more like I didn't re-up. Episode 3. May I borrow your pee? Please? I had an image in my mind of what my first day in the Army would be like. Now, I imagined a drill instructor screaming at me and my fellow recruits as we got off the bus at some army base. I'd seen that in the movies, and so I was ready for my first day in the army. I could handle it. There was only one problem. That isn't quite what happened. On my first day, I woke up early at home, my grandmother fixed breakfast, and my brother came over to drive me to the induction center. Now, I knew it was hard on my grandmother. She'd seen boys leave for World War I, World War II, the Korean War. She had a nephew who went into the peacetime army. My brother had gone into the Air Force, and now her youngest grandson, me, was going into the army and probably to Vietnam. She tried to make me feel good, but I knew it had to be concerning to her. Now, I could have taken the bus to the induction center in downtown L.A., but my brother came over and drove me. That might seem like a little thing, giving someone a ride, but it meant a great deal to me. It let me know that he cared about me and wanted the best for me. And I remember watching him drive away after dropping me off in front of the induction center, and I was just so appreciative of having a big brother like him. But I also realized I was about to begin another stage in my life that would probably prove to be most interesting. So I walked into the building expecting my view of the first day in the Army. As people arrived and filled up the area, there was no one yelling at us. There were several people in uniform walking around and getting us lined up. They checked our names and then they sent us into a room full of desks. Still no one yelled at us. They walked around with packets set in front of us, and brought pencils and set them down on the table next to the packets, and I remember the soldier in charge said, Do not touch the pencils, and do not touch the packets. I wanted to open that packet and fill it out quickly so I could get on to this army life that I was going to enter, but I resisted the urge, and I'm actually quite glad that I did, because that's when the yelling started. The yelling was not directed at me or to us as a group, but it was focused on individuals in that room, those who had somehow violated the fundamental rule and had picked up a pencil or had opened a packet and looked at what was inside. I told you not to open that packet, screamed the soldier in charge. Did I give you permission to pick up that pencil? Another soldier screamed at an individual This continued for some time, and I figured the men running this operation were on some kind of heavy-duty power trip. And then the man in charge told us to open our packets to page one. It was a simple form, last name, first name, address, that kind of stuff. And then the screaming started again. Did I say page two? I did not say page two. You get that back to page one right now. Did I give you permission to pick up your pencil? Screamed another one. Well, I had almost picked up my pencil, but I quickly withdrew my hand, and several other soldiers began yelling at individuals who had gone ahead and committed that dastardly deed. Finally, all the pencil picker-uppers had been identified, corrected, and put in their place, and then our leader told us to look at the block one on the form. It said, last name. When I tell you to pick up your pencil... You will write your last name in block one, said the leader. By now I had a good idea of how the system worked, so I didn't even reach for my pencil. I waited. Pick up your pencil and write your name in block one, your last name in block one, said the leader. So I wrote my last name, and I was so tempted to fill out the rest of the form, but I knew better. "'Put your pencils down,' barked the leader. "'I set my pencil on the table and waited "'while the soldiers running the event circulated throughout the room. "'I was really thinking, "'if this is what all of the soldiers in the army are like, "'I was not going to like this. "'Is that block one?' screamed one of the soldiers. "'No one told you to write your first name,' screamed another. "'Who told you to touch your pencil?' screamed yet another of the soldiers.' The soldiers moved through the room, stopping only to yell at someone if they failed to follow the exact directions, I mean orders, that had been given. It took over half an hour for us to fill out that simple form. But as we worked through that process, I realized it wasn't just a power trip for the soldiers running this part of the induction process. The fact is, several of the inductees were having a difficult time filling out the simple form. So we made it, and then we moved on to the next important item. We were ushered into a room for our physicals. We had needles stuck into us in order to suck out our blood. We had to cough while someone placed their hands on our private parts. And then it was time for the urine test. They gave each of us a container and told us to fill it with pee. I headed to the bathroom and waited for an opening at a urinal, so that I could give my best shot at filling the container, and when my turn came, things went well, and that's when I heard it. A man came behind me and said, May I borrow some of your pee, please? Um, Either he had difficulty calling up his pee on command, or he knew that his body contained some chemicals that he would just as soon the Army didn't know about. Well, even though I had plenty to share, I passed on the opportunity to share it. Then they assembled us all together in a room, and we took the oath. We were now officially in the Army. Our first order, get on the bus. Now, those of us on the bus were, I have to admit, a rather motley crew. This was in the time of the draft, so people from all walks of life ended up in the Army. There were hippies, anti-war activists, military brats, people who intended to be lifers, people who were given the choice of going to jail or joining the army, and people like me, nice, normal, everyday people. Now, I remember the ride on the bus up to Fort Ord, and I have to admit, I was a little naive, but on that bus ride, it was the very first time that I smelled marijuana. I even had to ask the person next to me what the sweet smell was. He was a little unnerved when he told me, like I should know this. Apparently, a whole bunch of people had decided to party the night before they went into the Army, figuring it might be their last time. We had long-haired, scruffy people. We had people who looked like they were drunk. We had people who looked like they were members of the local motorcycle gang. And we had skinny, good-looking, clean-cut, handsome people. You know, like me. But the Army did something interesting. When we got off the bus up in Fort Ord, they marched us to a place to give us our new clothes. We picked out pants and shorts and underwear and shirts and boots. They said, be careful on picking out the boots or we would regret it the rest of our service. Uh, the clothes we got, well, everyone got the same thing. We did not pick out the clothes on the basis of how they looked, but just do we kind of, sort of, somewhat fit into them. And after we had our clothes, uh, we stuck them into this bag called a duffel bag. And they made us carry that bag around all over the base until we reached this one building called a barbershop. Now, I really don't know why they called it a barbershop. You didn't go in and select a style. And I guess these people had been trained to be barbers. But based upon their skills, their training could not have lasted more than about 30 minutes. My barber turned on the clippers, put the clippers on my head, and ran the clippers right across the top of my head. It didn't take him long to finish his job, and I now had my first military haircut. So the clothes, the haircuts, living together for the next two months really changed everything people who would never have interacted with one another, over time became friends. And I really enjoyed the experience. Now, I have to admit, I don't want the government choosing my clothes for me. But those first months of Army life, they did let me see that so many of the divisions we put up to separate ourselves from others are not all that good. They keep us from getting to know one another. Well, after we got our haircuts, we were ready to start our army experience. Perhaps now we would get to hear the drill sergeants yelling at us. But it was not to be. Instead, we were told Fort Ord was full. There wasn't any room for us. Whoa, that isn't quite what I expected. But I'll tell you what happened after we were given that news. In the next episode. I have two lessons that I learned during this time. The first one really has to do with that being hanging around with your own group. We hear a lot today about becoming part of a tribe or just hanging around those who believe what we believe and social media is such an example of that. We tend to channel ourselves into only interacting with those we agree with. Well, I tell you what, if you really want to belong to a tribe, why don't you choose to belong to the human tribe? Don't let looks, language, different backgrounds, different races, different beliefs keep you from interacting with and seeking to understand other people. The second lesson I had during this time period was how important little things are. I still look back with great appreciation and even joy of the day that my brother came over to give me a ride and that little bit of time we had together. And also I think back to the breakfast that my grandmother cooked for me and how she went out of her way to try to make me feel good even when she should have been focused on her feelings. She did a nice job. so. Those are my lessons from this period and my adventure in Olive Drab. Until the next time, I'm Clint Morey, Specialist 4th Class, Retired.